Good evening, everyone, and welcome back to the Edison Club podcast. I'm your host, Mike, and today is something a little out of the ordinary. Uh, I'm going to be bringing you my podcast um, solo today. Um, This is something that I've actually been wanting to do for quite some time. I do apologize for the lack of podcasts. just giving you a little bit of a rundown here, what I've been up to. I do upholstery for a living, um, so I that and that means that I do uh, like fabric on couches, chairs. Uh, mainly, what I do is cars. Um, but lately, I have been working on doing an entire restaurant. Uh, every booth um, in this restaurant, I think there are like thirty some of them. And uh, it has been quite exhausting, if I do say so myself. I've been working late, working early, and I'm finally getting back into the swing of things. And if you guys will bear with me for just one second, I'm going to go shut this door. All right, I'm back with you guys. Uh, Heard some people walking down the sidewalk. I don't want you guys to hear my dog barking in the background. But uh, that's where I've been uh, alongside the rest of the team. Uh, We do actually have a podcast planned with none other than Hydro Pump himself coming out very soon. We're going to record that. And uh, once again, guys, very sorry for the lack of podcasts. But today I am bringing you um, a topic that I have really wanted to discuss for quite some time. And if you are a longtime listener of my podcast and a longtime subscriber of my channel, uh, you will actually know some of the information that I'm about to speak about. Um, I had realized that after I ended up changing my channel name um, quite a quite a ways back now uh, from what was originally Dark Magical Gaming to the Edison Club, that you guys that are new here might want to know my Yu-Gi-Oh story how I got into Yu-Gi-Oh. If you want to watch the original video uh, where I talk about this, it's on my YouTube channel, The Edison Club, and the title of the video is How Yu-Gi-Oh Saved Me. So we are going to be discussing that today. So our journey with Yu-Gi-Oh begins in 2005 in the fifth grade. So uh, I was always kind of the nerdy kid. Never really felt as if I fit in anywhere or with any certain group of people. But um, my first experience with Yu-Gi-Oh! was in the fifth grade in the lunchroom, and there were some kids sitting next to me. They were playing Yu-Gi-Oh! And my cousin played Yu-Gi-Oh! And I kind of wrote it off. I didn't really have any interest in it. Uh, I didn't really watch the show uh, as a kid. We'll get into that. Um, But pretty much, I did have a little bit of interest because the kids that were playing were laughing and, you know, kind of talking trash or at least as much trash as you can talk as a fifth grader, uh, in the, in the school cafeteria, but they were talking some trash playing and I kind of had some interest in it. And I asked them, you know, uh, how do you build a deck and all this stuff? And they kind of pretty much just told me, uh, to get out of their, get out of their business. But, uh, they kind of threw the dog a bone here and they threw me an old, Beat up Zombriah the Dark. I wish I still had it. Zombriah the Dark was my first ever Yu-Gi-Oh card. Uh, I was creased down the center and creased. It was like creased vertically and horizontally. So it was. I had like a cross in it. 
But that was my first experience with Yu-Gi-Oh! And uh, from there, I started watching... I think it actually kind of worked out. Like, it was just kind of fate how it ended up working out was... Not too long after that, maybe a few weeks, I got home from school. And as a kid, I was always big into watching television when I got home. And uh, Yu-Gi-Oh! GX was on there. And I was immediately drawn into it. Um, I was always a big superhero person as a kid growing up. Um, my favorite superhero was Batman. And when I heard that Jaden had these superhero cards, the Elemental Heroes, I thought that was really cool. So I watched... Yu-Gi-Oh! GX for a little while and eventually ended up telling my cousin who was my best friend and obviously still is my best friend. We've played cards together for our entire lives. Um, My cousin Evan, who has still not been on the channel or the podcast, he's just an enigma. He makes a few cameo appearances in a few of my videos, but nothing outside of that. But Evan had a gigantic box of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards. I'm not talking about like the the like four row boxes, the cardboard boxes that like most shops have. These were like, I think they were like four row in the front, two row in the back. They were hard plastic cases and they were primarily used for like baseball cards, football cards, stuff like that. But obviously you could use them for Yu-Gi-Oh! We had a whole one of those completely full of Yu-Gi-Oh! cards from everything from LOB up into like Power of the Duelist, I think was like one of the newer sets when I got into Yu-Gi-Oh! And we started playing, and I didn't really have many cards. Seems like I do remember him giving me some cards. But I remember going to Walmart with my mother and my grandma uh, one night, and my mom bought me the Spellcaster Structure Deck. This is the one that like focused primarily around like Dark Eradicator, Warlock cards like that. So that was my first Yu-Gi-Oh deck, uh, and of course. We had to represent the squad. We had to put the uh, Zombri of the Dark in there. And that is what I played for a little while. And eventually, I ended up catching wind from a kid at my school who I rode the bus with that there was a card shop slash candle shop on Main Street in Mount Airy where I live. And I begged my dad to take me there. He told me, okay, on Friday, after I get paid, um, we'll go there when you get out of school. So my dad... Um, I actually think my dad came and picked me up, um, that time I was into riding the bus, um, a lot of times at that point, cause both my parents worked, but I do remember my dad coming to pick me up and took me to this candle shop and they, it was a candle shop slash Yu-Gi-Oh shop slash magic shop, card shop, whatever you want to call it. Probably should start by saying that it, they did sell candles. So you might hear me reference it as a candle shop as well, but it's the same thing. It was a Yu-Gi-Oh shop. They sold candles. Don't think they ever actually sold any candles, but, um, they, they did have Yu-Gi-Oh. So, uh, they had a ton of the, uh, cardboard, like four or five row boxes and every card in those boxes were, was 10 cents. So my dad would take me and I could get anywhere from a dollar to two to $3 worth of cards, which is a lot of cards as a kid. Uh, when you just get to go through cards for 30, 45 minutes to an hour or something like that. And I ended up getting the elemental hero cards from there. And I think I actually, I remember in detail one day that I had watched an episode of GX with Chaz and I wanted the Ojamas. So I actually remember like the owners of the shop and even my dad helping me look for an Ojama green. I had Ojama yellow already and Ojama black, but we looked through all these boxes to find an Ojama green. And that was so cool uh, as a kid, you know, just going somewhere I could 
actually buy like cards that I wanted because a lot of times we were kind of stuck with just having to open up packs and kind of just hope for the best with that kind of thing. So yeah, not too long after that, I uh, ended up telling my cousin, Hey, there's a little shop on main street and they hold tournaments there. Do you, do you want to, you know, see if your dad will take us? Because my dad was, um, my dad was kind of, he was older. Um, my dad sounds terrible. I actually don't know his age, but he would be well into his seventies today. Uh, if he was still living, unfortunately he passed away in, uh, March of 2014, but I'm 27. So I came along a little bit later in life for my parents and, uh, my dad usually about the time, I think the tournament started around eight o'clock. He was ready to go to bed because he woke up to go to work at three in the morning every day. So, uh, Evan's dad ended up taking us to the candle shop and, uh, we played, we would go there on Fridays and a few stores down from the candle shop was a bookstore. So ended up working out great because Evan's dad does enjoy reading and stuff like that. So while he was reading, we would play Yu-Gi-Oh! And that's where I met some of my lifelong friends. Uh, primarily the one that stands out the most is my friend Ty Payne, uh, TYP336 on YouTube. I always give him a shout out. Make sure you go listen to, uh, listen to his content as well. But um, a few others that I kind of had my first interaction with there, uh, didn't really get to know them until years down the road. But we would go there on Fridays and we would pretty much just be the buy for anyone that we played against. We were both absolutely trash. We were terrible. And we, uh, I remember one time that we wanted to tag duel the owner of the shop, who was an, an old woman, surprisingly enough. She was an old woman. I remember that she played Beast Down. Um, this was like Berserk Gorillas, Big Bang Shot, I guess, like Axe of Despair, stuff like that. Uh, I'm not really like super familiar with um, like the GOAT format and stuff like that, uh, as I am with like Edison format, but... Yeah, uh, it was 2v1, and we still got absolutely dogged. Um, So, yeah, I mean, we would get cards from there. I would look forward to it. Sometimes my dad would give me, he'd say, like, here, here's $10. You can get you something nice out of the case tonight if you want something. Um, You know, it was just really, really cool. And I really, really miss those days. Um, You also have to bear with me from time to time. I am actually working from home tonight. Um... And, um, so I'm trying to remember, remember where I was at. Uh, he would give me a little bit of extra money sometimes, you know, say, here you go. You can get your little something, uh, use some for food if you want to drink or something. So that was always really nice. And I enjoyed going there every weekend. That was kind of what got me through school. Uh, I was not very good at school. Um, never felt as if I was good at school. Um, mainly because I never really felt like I fit in, but we'll get to that part um, here in a little while, but eventually, as all good things do, all good things must come to an end, um, the candle shop slash card shop actually was, uh, broken into, and, uh, thieves did end up stealing uh, a lot of the Yu-Gi-Oh inventory, and because I do feel as if that's what pretty much kept that shop afloat, uh, they ended up closing the doors to the card shop, and that was pretty, that was pretty detrimental to me, um, being something that I enjoyed to go and do so much. So this is like, I think around like 2006, um, maybe 2007, Evan, uh, would probably know the exact dates. I know like sort of the time frame, Um, but 
for a long time, it was just Evan and myself playing uh, cards. We'd hang out every weekend and we'd play cards and we'd play video games and we'd beat each other up with those lightsabers that God knows why they actually made those for children and told you not to hit each other with it because everyone knows when you put two young boys together and they have lightsabers from Walmart that their parents bought them, they are going to beat the shit out of each other with them. That's the only way that I can um, um, say that. I can't phrase it any differently. Um, So that went on for a long time. And eventually uh, my dad would sell, I don't know if I'm even supposed to say this on here. Um, yeah, I'm actually not going to say what him and a lot of people at the, at this flea market sold. Um, they did sell collective, I'm just, just going to say it. They did sell firearms at this uh, flea market, uh, perfectly legal. Everything was legal. They were approved by the state and everything and all that. And they were fine to sell whatever in the state of North Carolina, all the laws were met. So, um, it's kind of a touchy topic, um, that I usually try not to discuss stuff like that on the channel and the podcast. But anyway, um, so this was kind of like my dad's way of going and hanging out with his old geezer friends. They talk about guns and they talk about, I'm sure everything that old men talk about, but I, uh, and my dad started, I'm going to just phrase this the way that I would have phrased it at the time. My dad started dragging me to this flea market with him and it wasn't, you know, show up at 12 or one o'clock PM. This was get there six o'clock in the morning because as most old folks do, they, uh, they are very set in their ways and they had this one row of tables that they wanted. And if they didn't get there in time, somebody would show up and take their table. So we'd wake up at the quite literal ass crack of dawn and go to this flea market. We'd always go out and eat somewhere like McDonald's and get like a biscuit or something the morning before. And this went on for a few weeks. And you know, it's cool. The first pass on the flea market, you know, you walk through and you're like, oh, here's something cool. Here's something cool. But when you're there from 6 a.m. until probably two o'clock, you know, you spend a lot of time just hanging out in the car, you know, and I didn't really have hobbies. Um, that I did outside of stuff like that. So it was just kind of spending time with my dad. And one day I finally went inside the flea market and really took my time looking around. And I saw a guy selling Yu-Gi-Oh cards. And I was like, well, this is cool. You know, like we haven't had a a card shop in a long, long time. So um, at the time it was the owner of the shop and his stepson running this uh, flea market booth. And I went in there and I can't remember if I bought anything. My dad would always give me a little bit of an allowance uh, at the flea market, which was good. I think it was like 10 or $15, but that way I could go, you know, always get a little something from the flea market. And I ended up buying some cards that day and it was a very small booth. It was very, it was like probably the size of like your average, like home bathroom, very small. Um, and ended up buying some cards and I left with my dad and I was like, you know, I'm actually kind of excited to go back to that flea market next weekend and look at some more cards. So that's exactly what I did. I went back and I went back and I went back and other people started showing up. Um, the word had kind of gotten out. People were, you know, there was a place to go buy Yu-Gi-Oh cards again. And the interest kept growing. So the owner of that booth was like, well, you know, if you guys want to play here, um, you know, I will expand my booth. He had like one table to play at at first. It was very small. Uh, you didn't really have much 
uh, space besides like enough space for like two to three people. And, um, little by little time after time, uh, the booth got a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger, a little bit bigger. And we started having some tournaments and, um, this is around the time of pretty close to, uh, actual Edison format, actually, um, maybe slightly before, but I remember playing, um, a, a lot of the decks that are in Edison format and a lot of, um, decks that came like right before Edison format. So, um, that went on for a long time and I can remember being actually disappointed that I pulled a drill warrior. I pulled an ulti drill warrior and that card was like two bucks. And then SJC Edison happened that weekend and Jeff Jones, as we all know, managed to win. And then that card was very expensive. So that was like my first, my first real L on Yu-Gi-Oh. Um, so as flea market went on for several years of gathering there every weekend, I met a lot of the friends that I still have today. Obviously I spoke about Ty earlier in the podcast. Um, still friends with him. I met my friend, Brandon Combs, my friend Kiefer Dowell, and, um, so many others. So too many to name Austin Wood, all these guys, Austin Wood, obviously being Austin Wood, that's on the team, the Edison club with me. And life was just really good. And, uh, my cousin Evan would go with me every weekend and Yu-Gi-Oh really was just in full swing for me again. Um, I went there throughout a lot of my high school uh, career, or career, my high school experience, high school days, we'll just go with high school days, but eventually, as most young men end up doing at some point in their life, inevitably, I got a girlfriend, uh, my first girlfriend, and was also very actively involved in the theater arts community for quite some time, and that pretty much took most of my time uh, to go and do those things. So when you're doing plays, there's a lot of rehearsals, there's a lot of dress rehearsals, um, just a lot of preparation for these things. So no time for Yu-Gi-Oh! between girlfriend and uh, theater arts. So I always joke and say, like, if I played against Insectors in 2023 at an event, I would probably get crushed because I, I missed that entire format of, like, Insector and wind up completely. I don't know what pretty much any Insector card in the entire game does. Um, I will say that I do know what uh, wind-up cards do, but that's only because I wanted to make them work years later. But I missed those formats entirely. So, uh, you know, life life goes on. Me um, and my first girl end up breaking things off as most young love uh, is, is what usually ends up happening with most young love, uh, which I'm thankful for because I wouldn't be with Becky, the girl I'm with now, the best one I've ever been with in my life. And um, eventually things come to a close with the theater arts. I end up graduating from high school and it just wasn't really a real career. I really do respect people that had the ability to just grind and get to the top and um, make a career in the theater work. I have a lot of respect for those people because that is a career path with lots of ups and downs. And yeah, I have a lot of respect for them. So after I got out of there, I didn't really have 
much to do because I was single and I lost one of my bigger hobbies. So what did I default back to? I defaulted back into Yu-Gi-Oh! So Yu-Gi-Oh! At this time, the uh, little booth at the flea market had actually turned into an entire storefront. Uh, This is around like 2014-ish. And they had a storefront and we would play Yu-Gi-Oh! whatever days we could, morning, noon, and night. Uh, I can actually recall being at the um, card shop up until 12, 1 o'clock in the morning. I ended up getting my first job at a local restaurant. If you're a local listener and you're familiar with me, it was 13 Bones, uh, which is a steakhouse. So I ended up working there for quite some time and um, playing Yu-Gi-Oh! whenever I could. Uh, My first deck that got me back into the game was Harpy Ladies, and this was, best as I can recall, this is around, like, when Dragon Rulers first came out. Uh, I can recall people talking about Dragon Ruler cards and how broken they were going to be. So I played played, um, Harpies for a long time, and, you know, life was good again. I was back with my friends that I had missed and everything like that. And uh, I got some unfortunate uh, news and unfortunate circumstances in March of 2014. Uh, my dad called me uh, at the card shop. Uh, I can remember I was playing Lightsworn, go figure, uh, in a tournament. And he called me and he said, something's wrong. I'm calling, I'm calling the ambulance. So um, I remember it was, it was a, we had just had like a March snow and... Um, it was a little icy outside. I was driving my old truck at the time, and me and my cousin Evan were there, and I was like, Evan, we got to go. So we go home, and the ambulance is there, and, you know, this is me, you know, as like a child. And I had always said from the time I was young that, like, I always felt so secure because I got through, like, all of my life with all of my important family. I had my mom, I had my dad, I had my siblings, I had my grandparents. And, you know, when I was in school and I'd hear like someone's grandpa died or someone's grandma died or their aunt died, I always thought I was so lucky to keep them. And, um, I was like, gosh, things like this just don't happen to me. You know, like what is going on with my dad? And I get there and he goes in the ambulance and they take him to the hospital. Uh, he was having some chest pains and, uh, ended up getting transferred to, um, for, at the time for Scythe Hospital, which is in Winston-Salem, about an hour away from where I lived and um, they said that they did confirm that he had had a heart attack and he was going to have to have open heart surgery. And I remember going to the hospital to visit my dad every day for just a few weeks and um, always very thankful to my first job, 13 Bones, for letting me be off um, as much as they did uh, during that time. And going there and visiting my dad and my dad always reassuring me that no matter what would happen, um, everything would end up being okay. And eventually, uh, he came down to him asking me, he was like, son, I'm going to ask you, do you want me to have this surgery? I was like, if you tell me that you want me to, I will. And if you don't, then I won't. And I told him, I said, dad, you need to do whatever the doctors tell you to do. Um, and he was like, no, I want you to do, I want to do what you want me to do. And, you know, this is, this is me, like just graduated high school. I'm literally still like a a child almost. I'm about to be an adult, but 
uh, I said, Dad, I want you to have the surgery because I want you to be healthy. I want you to get out of this and, you know, be able to go out and live life and do stuff that you want to be able to do. He's like, okay. So, uh, you know, we went forward with the surgery. And little by little, um, one thing after another, things kind of just started to get bad. Um, my dad caught a septic infection while he was sick in there or while he was um, in the hospital. And I guess I kind of got a little ahead of myself here, but ended up having the open heart surgery. And the doctor pretty much told us that normally when they go in and I'm not a medical expert here, I don't really know exactly, you know, the, the ins and outs of this, but most of the time people's like blockages are like hard and they can get it out and do whatever they have to do. But his was like cottage cheese was pretty much how that's like verbatim what the doctor said. It was like cottage cheese. So they weren't sure if parts of it had broken off and went to other parts of his body. Uh, but they were pretty certain that he had actually suffered a stroke so he could have some form of brain damage as well. Um, but we stayed optimistic and, um, he stayed sedated. Uh, the last time I'd ever spoken to my dad was before he went in for surgery. Um, he said, I love you. And no matter what happens, I'll see you uh, on the other side one day. And, um, I'm actually, I'm not getting choked up. My voice is just cracking. (laughs) Um, I've talked about this so much at this point that it's, it's just part of my life and I'm okay with that. But, um, yeah, so he was staying sedated, um, medically sedated. He was asleep. And basically, another thing that the doctor explained to us was that when a patient has open heart surgery, they need to make sure that all the blood flow possible is getting to their heart. So they actually give them medication that stops blood flow from the, the hands and the legs and stuff like that. It's okay for short term, but where he had stayed on this for so long, they said if he does wake up from the, or when we do wake him up, you know, and he's healed, uh, they wanted to make sure he could get through the septic infection first, um, and he didn't have a stroke, uh, he's probably going to lose one or both hands. And, you know, that thought, that thought to me in that moment was more terrifying than my dad dying, as bad as that sounds, because my dad was a very blue collar man. He was a machinist. Uh, you know, he could fix anything that there was. Um, he was very good with his hands. And that thought to me at that time was, was the thought of him having no one or no hands was more terrifying than the thought of him being dead. So the doctor asked us, you know, he said, we're going to keep him sedated until he can get through this. Um, and another big point of this was that the doctor said he had something with his blood pressure that they had called galloping blood pressure. And pretty much his blood pressure would hit like heart attack level one second. And then like, no, once again, I'm not, I'm not a doctor. I'm not good with this kind of thing, but pretty much the highest it can go without killing you to like the lowest it can go without killing you. Like, like you're snapping like this. Um, never really got a clear answer on why that happens or why that happened to him specifically. But, uh, the doctor said, you know, when you if something happens, uh, because pretty much the machines are the only thing keeping him alive at this point, uh, if something happens to him, um, and we start to lose him, do you want us to do chest compressions? Do what do you, how do you, how aggressive, that was what he said, how aggressive do you want me to be, uh, with like, um, resuscitating, I think is what you call it, um, 
and me and my mom both looked at each other. We were just like, you know, if, if with how bad off he is, if he is being called home, we're just going to let him go home because they'd also said that he would have to probably live in some kind of like something similar to like an assisted living or a nursing home. You're probably going to hear my dog barking. Um, now he's barking at someone outside. I'm sorry, but I'll try to, uh, let me actually shut this door a little bit more so you guys don't have to hear that. Okay, sorry about that. But, um, yeah, we're just like, with how bad off he already is, if he ends up getting called home, we're just we're going to just let him go home because we don't want to see him live this kind of life. We wanted him, obviously, to be able to get better to go home, but, you know, just thinking about him not having hands or him having to live in an assisted living place and nurses having to wipe his ass for him and stuff like that. That to me was just so scary that I was, we were both just kind of like, if he makes it through this, then that would kind of just be God helping him along the way. And we think that he could make a full recovery, but if he's meant to leave, then it's time for him to go home. So the doctor said, okay, you know, we've done everything we had to do. And he said, there's nothing else we can do tonight. You guys can stay if you would like to, you can go home. So this is an hour drive back and forth between Winston-Salem and Mount Airy. So we're like, we're just going to go home. We haven't been sleeping good. We'll go home and get some rest. Uh, We got a call at about 530 in the morning and said, you know, you guys probably should head this way. So we get in the car, we head down there. And um, he had actually passed away about 30, I think 30, 45 minutes before uh, we had gotten there that morning. So, you know, my dad, who was my biggest supporter um, with things, he always encouraged me with Yu-Gi-Oh. He knew nothing about Yu-Gi-Oh whatsoever. He knew as much about Yu-Gi-Oh as he knew about rocket science. So pretty much like 1%, right? Like, um, he'd always encouraged me to do the right thing and to win honestly. Um, and, um, yeah, he always wanted, he always supported me and always asked me how the tournament experience and everything like that had went. But I lost him and I stayed in a very dark place for a very long time because, I mean, who wouldn't uh, when you're dealing with the loss of a parent at a young age? Uh, but once again, Yu-Gi-Oh was there for me. My Yu-Gi-Oh friends were there for me. They kept me, they kept me going uh, throughout all this time. And, you know, we were there together. There were days... I was fine. There were days I cried. There were days I wanted to, um, unalive myself. Um, there were many days like that for a very long time. Um, the person that you look to for the guidance in your life at a young age, especially as a man, uh, for me, it was hard to look at my mom, uh, for manly advice because I feel like that's pretty obvious why that was hard. So years and years, you know, go by, I'm playing Yu-Gi-Oh!, Um, I have other love interests throughout, you know, those years and things didn't really work out with them. Um, I took interest in playing Herald of Perfection in 2015. This was like, we had Cyber Angel Ben 10. We had, uh, the Field Spell, uh, Ritual Sanctuary, all those new cards. And I was like, this is so cool because way back when, when I was, when I was younger, I really liked to play Herald of Perfection. I played it with Happy Herald. I played all the little guys, the excuse me, the cloudy and smoke balls, the key mace, all that. And I was like, this is so cool. 
So I actually ended up getting the deck off my friend Austin, and I grinded playing this deck. It played like stick chair, uh, it played all kinds of stuff like that. So um, that went on for a while, testing Harold, and I actually ended up getting my first and unfortunately only regional uh, top eight at third place at a Concord regional in 2015 playing Harold of Perfection. So I uh, always look back on that. That was that was some a confidence booster that I really needed at a bad, bad, bad time in my life. So um, I really keep grinding in Yu-Gi-Oh! I go to um, like my first nationals uh, during this time. I went to my first nationals like just a couple months after my dad had died. I went with my friend Brandon, uh, my friend Kiefer, and my friend Blake, uh, who I'll inevitably have on the podcast uh, at some point whenever our schedules stop conflicting. Um, went to national 2015. That was the one that Corey McDuffie won. Uh, or maybe it was, it was, I'm sorry, it was 2014. That was the one that Corey McDuffie won. Um, Rip Corey McDuffie with um, Pat. And the next year was Necroz and BA and all those things in Nashville. Uh, I didn't go to 2016. I really don't know why I didn't go to 2016. Uh, I think it was just because we didn't have the interest in going. But I went to uh, 2017 Nationals in Chicago. And uh, this is a part of my life I haven't really put out there uh, yet. And it's been something I have debated talking about for a while. But I'm going to at least lightly touch upon this topic. So I'm not going to mention anybody's names because I am not here to um, talk down upon anyone. But uh, sometime after this event in 2017, I started dating someone, and um, this person I had known from a few encounters uh, just here and there, and I started seeing them regularly, and once again, uh, the interest in Yu-Gi-Oh! kind of started to dwindle, because it's hard to keep up with a lot of things at once, and in the beginning... I knew that this person was very much against Yu-Gi-Oh! because of past experiences that they had had um, with the game. And, you know, that was something that I was okay with, at least at the time, uh, because I was not really wanting to play. I was giving most of my time to them. And we were in a relationship for quite some time. And I look back on that relationship now as probably being... Um, one of the biggest wastes of time in my life. Uh, I have permanent uh, trauma and PTSD from that relationship uh, from not only her, but most of her family. Uh, I was not allowed to play Yu-Gi-Oh! I was not allowed to really even have friends. I um, I can remember when the newer, quote-unquote new, um, Six Samurai stuff came out. So it was like Six Samurai... Kizaru, Fuma, um, all those guys, whatever set that was. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. Uh, cause I love six samurai. I loved playing six samurai format. I was a kid. I had no money. I couldn't play the good six samurai deck. Um, uh, but I mentioned John Jones on here all the time. And, uh, who was like, kind of like a childhood mentor to me for Yu-Gi-Oh. Remember just getting, um, getting curb stomped by John quite literally on the regular with him playing, um, Six Samurai, and pretty much, uh, I wanted to be able to play Six Samurai again, so I go on to TCG Play, and the deck is actually fairly cheap at this time, 
um, I go on there and I buy the deck and I'm so excited. I get all the cards in and I start talking about, I'm going to start playing again. I'm going to do this again. And every single time that there was a tournament or that there was a day I wanted to go play magically, somehow there was something that came up, whether it be, we have to go do this this weekend. We have to go do this this weekend. I don't feel like, or I don't, you can't go this weekend because I don't want you to go blah, blah, blah. And this went on for months and months and months. I had the whole six samurai deck fully complete all the old rarities. I had ulti Sheans. I had super keys everything because I was so excited to be able to play six samurai again. Well, eventually I got to the point where I was like, well, I guess I'm just too busy in life to commit time to Yu-Gi-Oh. So I sell the deck I don't think about Yu-Gi-Oh anymore. Times, time goes by more and more and more. Um, at this point um, in my relationship life, I'm really starting to, I guess, kind of wise up and sort of realize what's going on um, because I was pretty much told by her and her whole family um, that this was something that children do, that I needed to own up and be a man and that I needed to do something that grown men do. So I guess by their definition, I should have went out and started drinking and partying and doing stuff that grown men do, right? You know what I'm saying? But time goes on and on and on and on. I don't play Yu-Gi-Oh. The 2020 pandemic happens. No explanation needed here. We all lived through it. We don't want to go back. Um, The 2020 pandemic happens and we're all inside and I start looking at stuff like Magician Souls and I'm like, this is so cool. Like, I really want to play Yu-Gi-Oh! again. Really wanted to play um, Thunder Dragons and play all these really cool decks. And I remember sitting down and having this conversation because I was already, I was very scared. I was very scared uh, that I was going to cause an argument because everything in this relationship was an argument. And for those of you listening, if that's happening to you, Um, we're going to take a brief little break here and just get on a rant for a second. If the person that you are with is not supporting you in your goals and your hobbies, whether it's Yu-Gi-Oh, whether it's Pokemon, whether it's golfing, football, racing, doesn't matter. You need to either have a quote unquote, come to Jesus moment. And you need to express the importance of this with your significant other. And if it's still you're still not getting what you need from that person. You're being limited. They are being controlling. They're not letting you do what you need to do to enjoy life. Then unfortunately, my friends, it is time to move on because I can tell you from experience that there is someone out there who will support you. And this is probably going to be the only time that you ever hear me curse as much as I have in this video. And it's just because this is something I'm very passionate about. Um, but Um, you are no one's property. You are your own person. You have a right to enjoy the short life that you have. We're all here for a very short amount of time. And if the person that you are with does not support you, um, and things that you do within reason, um, obviously I'm not going to support someone to go out and get stoned, uh, on drugs, on hard drugs, or be strung out all the time or become an alcoholic, you know, in the same way that I wouldn't want someone drinking and driving, whatever. As long as it is it is harmless, it is healthy, it is fine. Um, Yu-Gi-Oh! itself can become a problem. It can become addictive. 
Uh, it's very addicting. You have to be very careful with it. But everything in your life can become addictive. If you are into painting, you could find yourself spending ungodly amounts of hours painting. Um, there, You have to have balance with everything that you do. I'm not saying because your girlfriend wouldn't let you go play Yu-Gi-Oh because you had to go to a birthday party that you should dump her and find someone else. That's not what I'm saying at all. I'm saying if it is consistently happening where your needs and wants keep getting put back and put back and put back for someone else's, that person does not care about you, move on. That's something that no one else will tell you, but I will be honest with you because I have lived it. I have been there. Moving back into what we were talking about before, it finally came time for the conversation. I am not a defiant person. I'm a very calm person. I'm a very understanding person. I had built up the courage, and this already sounds terrible, building up courage to talk to the person that you're with about something. You should not be afraid of the person that you're with. I said, hey, I think that I'm going to start playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again twice a month. The first Sunday of the month and the last Sunday of the month. I thought that was pretty reasonable. You know, 30 some odd days in a month, 28 are spent with them, two are spent away. And uh, she looked at me and she said, you are not going to start playing fucking Yu-Gi-Oh! again. And in that moment in me, something changed. I don't know what it was, but I looked at her and I stood up and I said, unfortunately for you, I wasn't asking. And that was that. I said, I'm not asking you for permission. I am telling you what I'm going to go do. And once I broke those chains and they realized that they no longer had me under their spell or that they no longer could control me and the things that I did, the relationship just completely did a 180. Um, they would try to do everything that they could to desperately grasp, <clears throat> sorry, desperately grasp on to whatever power that they felt like they could, um, trying to control me in any ways that they could. But I was very defiant, which is something I normally am not. Um, and I put my foot down. I said that if I want to go do this, I am an adult and I will go do it as much as I want to, whenever I want to. So I started going, playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again. And, um, every Sunday that I would come back, you know, I'd get the silent treatment. And eventually I grew to like the silent treatment. I was like, you know, this is awesome. I'm sitting up here. I'm relaxing. No one's talking to me. No one's yelling at me, whatever. Didn't care whatsoever. I was so overjoyed to be back playing cards again with my friends and just enjoying my life that nothing else mattered. Flash forward a few months from there. Uh, this is in October of 2020. We ended up breaking things off. I have never had such a breath of fresh air in my life since then. It's like that Luke Combs song. I got. I ain't got to see my ex-future mother-in-law any anymore. That was I, that, that song was my anthem for like six months after me and her broke up because I have never been so happy to just be the hell away from somebody to, to where I could just do what I wanted to do and no one was stopping me. I'm not a person that goes out and does things that I shouldn't do. I don't go out and do bad things. I wanted to do the most simplistic of things in the in the world. I wanted to play cards with my friends, have a sleepover with a friend, or even just spend time with my mother. There were a lot of times she wanted to keep me away from my mother. And um, after you lose a parent, you become very close to the parent that you do have. And there was there, that was the biggest fresh of breath air I have ever had. I haven't heard from her since we broke up. Um, don't want to hear from her ever again. 
um, I have not mentioned any names. This is not to talk bad about anyone or to put anyone down. This is just speaking about my life and my experiences that I've had thus far. So uh, 2020 ends and 2021, I start playing Yu-Gi-Oh! again. Uh, This time with the mentality of whatever happens, no one is keeping me from from doing things in my life that that make me happy ever again. And I start playing all the time. I remember, like, not too long after we split up, I ended up traveling to um, Florence, South Carolina with some friends. And I think this was probably in November of that year, so actually just a month later. And just thinking about how how fun that was, again, being able to plan a trip with a friend, going out, spending the night in a hotel, getting some good food, coming back, playing cards. It was what I had missed. Everyone needs an escape from reality. It doesn't matter what it is. It can be video games. It can be a sport. It doesn't matter. I had none. I had none for almost four years. And if I could go back and change it, I don't know that I would just because it's made me into the person that I am today. But if you're listening to this and you're part of my friends group, I am so sorry that I let someone pretty much just gatekeep me from having friends for very selfish reasons because it's very difficult as well when you are with someone to um that has no friends um to have friends because they're always jealous and I'm going to keep this under an hour so we're going to start winding down here soon but pretty much the first event I played back in was like a Phantom Rage box tournament and just being able to play Yu-Gi-Oh! again was so awesome. I'm going to speedrun the rest of this. But I started the Dark Magical Gaming channel in 2021. Wanted to be able to document all of my tournament experiences and everywhere that I went through. And, you know, be able to look back on those memories. And Because I did have a YouTube channel before, uh, years ago. And that girl made me delete it and get rid of it. So I, those are memories I no longer have. And uh, I wanted to build... Um, build up an archive of memories. I think I'm at like 130 videos. I'm at like almost 1400 subscribers. I'm doing great. Still have a long way to go. Um, Really grinded playing the Dark Magician deck for a long time. And eventually I kind of just lost interest in um, modern format and started just to focus on Edison. And I uh, am with a girl now who I will be happy to call my wife one day. And she supports me in anything that I do. She loves me. She wants to know about Yu-Gi-Oh. She wants to see me do well. She watches my videos. She listens to my podcasts. She, she's the greatest person that I have ever known in my life. And it was right there in front of me. My whole life, I actually went to school, a Thai school with the girl I'm with. And um, yeah, I have no negative things to say about her whatsoever. She's been, she's been an angel to me. And... Um, yeah, so I'm, I'm still doing my thing. I'm actually sponsored by Easy Card Gaming in Greensboro, North Carolina. Awesome shop. Make sure you check them out. Played for them. I remember coming back into the the first YCS after COVID, being uh, YCS Charlotte. And it was just, just such a good experience to be able to hang out on a Saturday or Sunday with your friends, play some cards, have some fun. And it's just something that the two time periods in my life when I either wasn't allowed to play or just kind of lost interest. I look back and think about 
how much fun it would have been had I just kept on playing, how many more good memories I would have to overshadow the bad memories. But you can't change things in life. You can only look forward. And one big thing that I thought about when I first started playing again was like, I've lost so much time. I'm not going to be able to be good at Yu-Gi-Oh! And there was a quote that I heard not long after that was, the best time to plant a tree was 10 years ago, but the second best time is right now. And after hearing that, I was like, okay, it doesn't matter that I lost some time or that I dedicated time to people that just frankly just did not deserve it. It does not matter because I'm here now and what happens next counts. And I still have a long way to go um, in Yu-Gi-Oh! I'm really grinding Edison format. I'm having the most fun with Edison format that I have ever had playing Yu-Gi-Oh! truthfully and uh, so many tournaments. And um, I've considered dipping back into advanced format a little bit. I'm a big fan of Crystal Beast. So uh, with Golden Rule inevitably approaching, and I just picked up a Collector's Rare Duel, Duel Academy, um, you know, it's kind of something that I've considered. Uh, nationals this year is being held in Raleigh, which is about two hours away from me, literally in driving distance from me. And uh, I do still have my invite from last year, so I'll be there, be playing at least round one in the main event, getting my mat in my sleeves, so probably going to end up playing a lot of Edison side events uh, nationals this year but guys that's where I'm at um, it's been a long road there's been so many memories that I could elaborate on so many trips um, I'm using the Spotify podcast recording software which limits me to 60 minutes unfortunately but it'll cut off in like nine more 10 more minutes and um, it's just it's just it's great guys I uh Thank you all for listening to the podcast, and we're going to be back doing these things on the regular. I'm going to try to have them uploaded. Uh, We're probably going to record them on Friday nights and have them uploaded by Saturday morning, and um, this has been my story for Yu-Gi-Oh! all the way from 2005 up to 2023, almost 20 years, two years shy of playing Yu-Gi-Oh! for 20 years. It's weird to think about, and I love the game. I love the people that I've met, the friends that I've had the experiences that I've had. This game has took me to places all over the country. I went to Vegas for the very first time last year um, with my friends, Corey, Tanya, and Tobias. I love those three. They're so awesome. They're still relatively new friends of mine, but just traveling with them and getting to know them and having so much fun. And I did end up getting sixth place at that event playing Heroes. Um, This is in like Sword Soul format. like I think Adventure Brain Kid like just started being a thing. But um, it was so much fun. And I will honestly remember that the rest of my life. If I never go back and play Yu-Gi-Oh! again in Vegas, um, I will always remember the Vegas trip from 2022. And among many others, I will never forget. And it's all because of Yu-Gi-Oh! So I'm going to wrap this up. I'm going to go ahead and get out of here, guys. Thank you all for listening to this podcast. And... Hopefully you enjoyed listening to me ramble for for 51 minutes and some odd seconds now. But um, be sure that you tune in soon for the Edison Club podcast featuring none other than Hydro Pump coming very soon. This is Mike from the Edison Club. Reach for your goals and never stop grinding to get there. And always make sure that the people around you are supporting you. 
that the people around you love you, because if they do not, then you are in the wrong room, my friends. Everyone, take care.